found in Matthew 7, verse 7 this morning. I wish that all of my preaching professors had the opportunity to get to preach behind Kelly's singing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. One, one verse this morning, and, and we'll be going old school this morning. I don't have anything for the screen, so you have to pay extra attention this morning. This is uh, Jesus is closing out the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We'll look back at some other uh, thoughts that he had. We're looking this morning at prayer. And um, read this story this week. Johnny, a very bright five-year-old, told his dad that he'd like to have a baby brother. And along with his request, he offered to do whatever he could to help. His dad, a very bright 35-year-old, paused for a moment and then replied, I'll tell you what, Johnny, if you pray every day for two months for a baby brother, I guarantee you that God will give you one. Johnny was excited. He eagerly went to his room that evening and he began to pray for a baby brother. He prayed every night for a whole month. But after that time, he began to get a little bit skeptical. He checked around the neighborhood and asked his friends and found out what they thought about what was going to happen. And they told him it had never occurred in the history of the neighborhood. You don't just pray for two months and then whammo a new baby brother. So Johnny quit praying. After another month, Johnny's mother went to the hospital. When she came back home, Johnny's parents called him into the bedroom he cautiously walked into the room, not expecting to find anything. And there was a little bundle lying right next to his mother. His dad pulled back the blanket, and there was not only one baby brother, but two. His mother had twins. Johnny's dad looked down at him and said, Now, aren't you glad you prayed? Johnny hesitated and then looked up at his dad and says, Yeah, but ain't you glad I quit when I did? <laughs> I strongly believe in the power of prayer. I strongly know and sense in my life every day that I would not be standing where I am on this platform proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ were it not for the prayers of my parents and the prayers that they had others praying for me. I strongly believe in the power of prayer. Our ministry team and our deacons are partnering together to, on a quest to make our church a church, a house of prayer. And for us to uh, make prayer our greatest priority. This really began to speak to me as we were on our mission trip in Chinandega, Nicaragua um, in, uh, back in July and a couple of weeks before we made the trip, the church there, the Mount of Olives in Postalatega, Nicaragua, sent messages to us and let us know that they were meeting there in their church every night from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, what we call a second watch prayer. And they were praying and fasting for us and our safety and, and the trip as we came and we, we were going to be there on the ground with them. And... I truly believe that the prayers that they prayed led to the success of the mission that we had to accomplish there and has radically changed the lives of those who went. 
So I've had that on my mind, and we're going to take a break this week. We've been in a series of sermons on I Am a Church Member, but I thought it very important for us to take a break this morning and to look at, at prayer. Um, we had Mike Jackson from the State Board of Missions who came up and met with our ordained men a couple of weeks ago, and he really emphasized our deacons and our ministry team leading our church in an effort of unified prayer, of meeting together. Our goal three years out from now is to make sure that there is not a minute of the day that there is not a member of this church praying for this church and praying for this city that so desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Sparks um, got a list of things there, um, a sheet of how to pray for your pastor, and he's been telling me about how he's praying for, for myself and my family. I told him this morning that my oldest son especially needs prayer. I found out he's dating a Methodist, and he's been going to Auburn football games. So, Sparks, you get on that. There is this very important question that a lot of people ask. Christians ask this question. And it's a very logical, reasonable question. If God already knows what I need then why do I need to pray? Think about that for just a minute. Let it soak for just a second. If God already knows what I need, then why do I need to pray? Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 8, your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. So why do we need to pray? The Bible offers us several compelling reasons, and I'll give you those here as a way of introduction. First, prayer is our means of two-way communication with God. We are created to have fellowship with our Father. We are created, the, 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 end, the, the great thing about our lives is we are created for the glory of God and we are created to be in a relationship with Him as close as we possibly can. And so prayer is our two-way communication with God. We are created to be in fellowship. Adam and Eve, if we look in Genesis chapter 2, 21 through 25, Adam and Eve had the opportunity to commune with God in a personal way that we don't understand, really. There was a fall. There was a sin that happened there, and that perfect fellowship was broken. As that perfect fellowship was broken, Prayer became the means of communication between God and humankind. So prayer involves much more than us talking to God about what we want. Prayer is our connection to God. It is how we source and find our strength from Him. Because it is He who will ultimately guide us into all truth through His Holy Spirit. If you want to know more about that, look at John 16, 13. And then second of all, prayer is commanded. Have you ever thought about this, that prayer is commanded of us? If we are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, He commands us to pray. If you flip back just one page to Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus said this. He said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received your reward. 
But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now notice something Jesus said there. Jesus did not say, if you pray. He did not say, occasionally, when you find time to pray. Jesus said, when you pray. And in saying that, he's saying to us that prayer should be a daily discipline of our everyday existence. That we should carve out moments in the day, time in the day, when we are in communication with the Lord through prayer. I will say, make this statement, I've made it twice before from this pulpit, if there's nothing else that you ever remember that I say, I would love for you to remember this, and it is this. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And a prayerless church is a powerless church. So Jesus commands us to pray, and he gives us the model there to go by. Third, prayer humbles us and molds our character. Prayer humbles us. Have you ever been in the presence of someone and they, they absolutely, it was humbling for you to be in the, in the presence of that person. I've, I've listened to people talk about getting to meet people who were their heroes. of um, Maybe they were a sports figure, a coach, a player or something. And they got to meet that person. And they were just in awe of that person. I can tell you that the first time that I ever met Pastor Johnny Hunt. And I got to stand with him and shake his hand. Um, such a great man of God. I listened to his sermon every Monday morning from the day before, and it was just a humbling thing to be in the presence of such a great servant of God. But I want you to think about this. There is nothing more humbling than being in the presence in prayer and, and being in the presence of God Almighty. The very one who with his own voice spoke everything that we see into existence and who will someday speak everything that we know out of existence and create it perfect again. We are in the presence of the creator, king, and the sovereign ruler of the universe. If you are not humbled by that experience, you need to pray even more about your relationship there. He molds our character. The Bible says in James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. When we come to the Lord in humility, He honors our prayers and teaches us to depend fully on Him. Do any of you struggle with the fact that you are in a relationship with someone and you have to depend fully on them? It's, it's hard, especially as a man. We want to do, we want to do, we want to fix, we want to be in charge. One of the hardest things about the Christian life sometimes, and not just for men, but for all of us probably, is, is being, some of us, our, our nature is to be completely in charge. But Jesus teaches us humility through our prayer life, and the more he teaches us that humility, the more that we realize that we are completely and totally dependent upon him for everything in our lives. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, we were talking about humility and being humbled. And, and my advice there, and, and I have it written here, is to live humbly so that you don't have to be humbled by the Lord. 
Because being humbled by the Lord is, is a very difficult thing to experience. So in our prayer lives, we find humility. So we know that there are things, looking at Matthew 7, 7, we know that there are things that just go perfectly together. Ham and eggs, steak and potatoes, fall and football, the Bible and prayer. Without the Bible, prayer has no real direction. And without prayer, the Bible is less dynamic. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord outlined three levels of prayer that we should characterize and look at as the prayer life of every believer. Let's read Matthew 7, 7 together here. And these are the words of Christ as He said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Read the next verse. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks find, finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, effective prayer is wrapped up with His will for our lives. Every prayer that we pray should be somehow connected to learning more and being more about God's will for our individual lives. And so we see here this model. We know that if we know His will in a matter, we will ask. If we do not know His will, we will seek. And if we know His will, but the answer has not yet come, we are to knock until the door opens. So let's look here at effective prayer and the way that Jesus has it laid out as we grab hold of the throne of grace on all three of these letters, levels here. And if you have your worship guide with you there, you see that the first one is a level of presenting a petition. A petition is a request that we bring before the Lord. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. On this first level of prayer, as intercessors in prayer, we ask and have the promise of God that we will receive. When we know God's will in a matter, we can ask and have the confidence that we're going to receive. Now think about the greatest example of this in our lives as, as Christians is this. Think about the moment that you came into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through prayer. Maybe you prayed and you asked God to forgive you of your sins. You prayed and repented of those sins and told God that you wanted to turn away from those and that you wanted to be in a relationship and follow the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. We know through Scripture in John 3.16 that it's not God's will that anyone should perish but that we should all receive the gift of eternal life. So Jesus tells us here, ask and it will be given to you. We have several students in our student ministry and some in our college age group who have sensed a call to full-time ministry. They have sensed a call to, to preach or they've sensed a call to missions or they've sensed a call in some direction and one of them at a, at a uh, youth conference where they were um, last winter was uh, Meg Blanchard. And Meg knew that something was stirring in her heart. And she went, and I believe she went and talked to Seth. And she said, God is, is doing something in my heart. And, and I'm asking him what it is. And I believe that God is calling me to missions. 
So she went back to her seat, and I believe, if I'm not wrong, it was Emma that she went back and sat next to, and she told Emma, I believe that God is calling me. I've been praying, and I believe that God has shown me. And Emma finished her sentence. He's called you to missions. It was evident in their lives. So we know that if God is working and stirring in our heart, we know that if we ask, He's going to answer those prayers. But sometimes we've asked for the wrong things and didn't receive them because they were contrary to God's will for us. Now think about this. What if we, what if God had given us everything we'd ever prayed for? Think about that for just a minute. What if we, what if God had given us everything that we'd ever prayed for? Well, what a mess we'd be in. Some of you would be married to the wrong person right now. Wives elbow your husband and say, you ought to thank the Lord for me. Some of you would be married to the wrong person. Some of you would be in the wrong career. Some of you would have gone to the wrong university. Some of you would be in the wrong church. What if God had answered every single prayer the way that you had prayed those prayers? We, we'd be in a mess sometimes in our lives. I'll never forget in all, the, I think, 13 years of youth ministry, I don't think there's a prayer that could be prayed that I didn't have a youth come to me and ask me to pray. And most of them were this, were like this. Little Betty Baptist would come to me at about 14 years old, and she would say to me, will you tell God to tell Billy Baptist that we're supposed to be dating? And I would say, well, what if, what if that's not what God has? What if God has better for you? And oh, they would just be heartsick. Oh, but I know I love him, and I, I'm, I'm supposed to be with him. And I'd be thinking, you're 14 years old. You don't know anything. Amen. But what if God didn't protect us sometimes in our prayers? So we see the first level there is presenting a petition, a request. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. And the second is the level of pressing a petition. God says, Jesus says here, seek and you will find. Let me ask you this. How many of you lose stuff? Anybody lose stuff? No? You're, you're sitting on the fourth pew in the church, and you're going to sit there and say no. Third pew. I lose stuff. There's not a week goes by. Sandy Phillips is here. She, she's our ministry assistant in the office. There's not a week goes by. She can tell you that I am not somehow frantically searching for a set of keys that I have lost. I've had more sets of keys made then you can, uh, uh, John Strickland smiles when he sees me coming in the door because he knows I'm getting a whole fresh new set of keys. I'm frantically, some, I'm frantically searching around this church for a set of keys. Some of y'all have probably hid my keys and just sitting laughing at me. And then there are just about once a week in the morning, I am frantically searching for a wallet. Not that there's a whole lot in the wallet, but except my driver's license. And every, about once a week, Bree will give me this lecture. If you'd take that stinking wallet and you'd put it in the same place every night when you lie, lie down and go to bed, and you got up, it would be in the same place every morning. Amen. I lose my cell phone. 
I'm looking for my cell phone and I'm talking on my cell phone. My boys, there was a certain age where the boys were where we all three wore the same size shoe and my shoes would disappear and I would get them together in a room and I would talk to them so harshly and I would tell them, what's in my closet is mine. You stay out of my stuff. Don't ever touch my shoes again. Where are my shoes? These are the shoes I'm looking for. One of y'all's worn them off to somebody's house and left them there. And Grayson looked at me and he said, Daddy, you're wearing them. <laughs> and I was. But when I lose things, I have to exert energy to find those things. And sometimes Jesus is talking about here, seek and you will find. When you're seeking something, you have to put forth some effort. You have to put forth some energy. It's a higher level of prayer than that of simply presenting your petition before God. And that is the level of pressing your petition. Think of that word pressing. When we're talking about pressing, we're talking about exerting energy. We're talking about putting forth some muscle into something. And Jesus is saying here that there are some times when we pray, when we have to go a little further and we have to go a little harder and we have to seek God in these matters. A little boy was kneeling beside his bed with his mother and grandmother and softly saying his prayers. He said, Dear God, please bless Mommy and Daddy and all the family, and please give me a good night's sleep. Suddenly he looked up and shouted, And don't forget to give me a bicycle for my birthday. There's no need to shout like that, said his mother. God is not death. No, said the little boy, but Grandma is. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to press a little harder with our prayers. This is the prayer we pray when we do not know the will of God in a matter and we seek until we find it. This is that prayer we're praying when we're graduating college and we're thinking about a career and we're thinking about where we're going to wind up and what we want to do. This is that prayer that we pray when we have been dating someone for a while and we see this getting a little bit serious and we pray and we ask God is this the person, is this the right person for me in marriage? And let me tell you, at once that, when that person shows up on your doorstep, young lady, for a date, that is, a, you, you are there with your potential husband. You better, you better, you better be praying, and, you be, and daddy, you better be praying even more. Pray about these matters. Pray if that's the person. It's about family decisions. It's about financial decisions. It's about my students that I had in, in student ministry when they would go away to college and they would leave here and they would tell me I'm majoring in such and such and this is what I'm going to major in. And then I would talk to them at Christmas break and they would say, well, I'm changing my major to this. And I prayed about it and sought God and I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. This is a deeper prayer. It's a more mature level of prayer. Because it puts ourself aside and it's motivated by a deep desire to want to know the will of God in a matter. We want to know what God's will is for us. And it is an intense search of the heart of God. And it's coupled with a regular pattern of Bible reading. It is a critical effort. And let me make this very clear. You cannot be lazy in your prayer life. 
Do not be lazy in your prayer life. Couple your, your prayer life with a regular pattern of, of Bible reading. If you're not doing that right now, let me give you some suggestions, especially if you're praying to know the will of God. Pray and read the Proverbs. Pray and read the Psalms. Pray and read the Gospel of John as you're praying. If, if, if Bible reading is new to you, pick those three areas there and pray and ask for the will of God. Paul admonished us to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdoms. In Colossians 3.16, we grow in wisdom by coupling prayer and Bible study. We keep on praying, seeking with an intensity. An intensity that goes far beyond the level of simply presenting our petitions. Some things in life are intense. I mentioned earlier about our mission trip that we went on, and I've told our Sunday evening and Wednesday evening uh, group this a couple of times because I'm asking them to pray for me in this matter. As we were climbing the side of a volcano, a dormant volcano, and we were trying to reach 1,500 people with the gospel of Christ, it became very apparent to me that I'm very out of shape, that I'm very overweight, and that if I had to climb that mountain, uh, that volcano again, they would probably be airlifting me out if there was a way to evacuate me. And so I made myself a promise, and I made this promise to Tony Kerr as we were sitting there. We had our heads on each other's shoulder gasping for breath as they're handing me a microphone telling me to go preach. And I looked at him and said, can somebody please sing a couple of songs? I made Tony a promise. I said, Tony, when I get back home, I'm going to lose some weight and I'm going to get in shape. And he looked at me and like, you're never going to make it back home. <laughs> and it has been intense. I love sweet tea. Praise the Lord. I make sweet tea with two cups of sugar. And it is good. And we go through some sweet tea at our house. But I knew that that sweet tea was killing me. And so I, I didn't throw away the sugar. I put the sugar somewhere where it would be hard to find. But I started making unsweet tea, and I, I bought some fresh lemons and limes, and, and I got some honey. And so I mixed that all up together, and I've gotten used to it. And so that's helped me. And then I go to the gym um, at least three, four times a week, and I get on the treadmill, and my goal every day is to get two miles when I go. And so um, I put it on fat burn, and I, and I just burn it. Oh, burn, baby, burn. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Because I also love Krispy Kreme donuts. And I had to make a hospital visit not long ago, and I, had to, I knew the devil was telling me, when you get the gas, then you got to drive by Krispy Kreme Donuts. And I, I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I will not stop unless there is a parking place right in the front door. If there's a parking place right in the front door, I'll stop and I'll get a dozen. Well... After circling seven times, <laughs> that old woman finally left. 
I've already gotten in trouble one time for saying old woman. So I need y'all to double up on praying for me. I'm weak. But it's intense. These are intense prayers. These are prayers where we know that the will of God is not where we are right now. We are not, we are, and we are seeking to know the will of God. And it means a lot. It means more than any other thing in our lives. And we are desiring that. And we are hungering for that. And we are thirsting for that. The way that I uh, would normally thirst after sweet tea or a Krispy Kreme donut. The, the, I, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting to know what God's will is for me in this situation. The promise is that we will find God's perfect will for our lives if we don't give up. This is not a spiritual Easter egg hunt. He's not trying to hide His will for us from us. He desires that we know it and that we walk in it. So seek and you will find and then our last level here is that level of persisting with a, with a petition. Knock and it will be open to you. Persisting in prayer to the point of exhaustion. How many times in your Christian life have you persisted in prayer to the point of exhaustion? And what was that prayer about? Maybe it was about needing a financial miracle in your life. Maybe it was about needing a physical miracle for a, a spouse or a, or a child or a loved one. Maybe it was about your, uh, the salvation of your children or your grandchildren. What is it in your life that has driven you to pray to the point of exhaustion? And how willing are you to be that? How willing are you to knock and just keep knocking and not give up? Those of you who have children, especially when they were younger, you know the persistence of those children and asking for what they want and for, for trying to get what they want through just trying to wear you down until you finally give in. This level shows if we are serious about prayer. To keep on knocking requires tremendous perseverance. We pray on this level when we feel certain, we know the will of God in a matter, but we have not seen it come to fruition as of yet. We know that God has an answer for us. We know that He wants to tell us His will. We know we have a sense of what that will is for our lives, but we've just not seen it yet. We keep on asking, we keep on seeking, we keep on knocking, and we hold to the promise that it will be open to us. When Brother Ed Kugler was our interim pastor here for several months, he used to use this phrase, and, and, and now I understand what he was talking about when he said that there are times in our lives when our prayers have to be agonizing. When we pray in agony, are we willing to go to that point to know the will of God for our lives? Are we willing to pray in agony for the souls of the people in this city? Are we willing to pray in agony over the darkness and over the dark cloud that seems to hover over this city, the spiritual darkness that seems to be here, as you go out and you knock on doors and you tell people about the love of Jesus and you continuously have doors slammed in your face and, and are, are told that there's no hope? 
There's a darkness. There's a darkness over a nation where we are divided such that we are in our, in our streets fighting over ideology. When all the answer lies in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we, willing to, are, we, are, we, are we willing to close our mouths and stop spewing our anger at those people we're opposed to and to begin to pray for both groups to have a sense that Jesus is the only answer? Are we willing to turn off our TV and love our neighbor and agonize in prayer over the spiritual condition? When we have children, we expect our children to mature. I've told you, I told my boys when they were young, I am raising you to leave this house and to go find yourself and to find your life and to find what God has for you in this life. Now, one of them has left, and I've been in a deep depression ever since. But I raised them to leave. I raised them to mature as they grew to get to a point to where they reached an age to where they were able to leave. God expects us when we come into a relationship with Him, He expects us to mature in our prayer life to where we get to a point to where we are willing to persist even if it means persisting in agony over our prayers. In our Christian experience, we ask God in prayer for certain things, and sometimes it seems that He does not answer us. However, He always answers. And I'll close with this, and you may want to write this down. Sometimes the answer is direct. And these are wonderful prayers. Sometimes the answer is direct. We pray and almost immediately, we see the answer we requested. Sometimes our prayers are denied. God answers, but in a way that denies our request because He knows what is best for us. When your prayer is denied, don't shy away from praying. Don't become angry with God, but know that God has something better intended for you. Sometimes our prayers are delayed. God seems to put us in a holding pattern, and the answer eventually comes according to His timetable instead of ours. Is God's timing always different than yours? It's always different than mine. But He teaches me long-suffering, he teaches me patience. And He teaches me to pray for a peace that passeth all understanding during those times. And sometimes those prayers are answered different. They're just answered different from what we expected. But here's what I want you to know. God will provide what is best for us according to His sovereign will. God will provide what is best for us according to His sovereign will. One of the most amazing things in all of Scripture is this. There were 12 men who had the unique opportunity to be with Jesus Christ every single day, almost 24 hours a day. 
those men had a frontline opportunity to see the greatest miracles ever performed, to see the greatest ministry that would ever be on earth, and to know that they were a special part of that. They could have came to Jesus one morning and they, said, they could have said, Jesus, teach us how to have a healing ministry. Jesus, teach us how to preach. Jesus, teach us how to organize house ministries or organize a Sunday school or organize ministries. Of everything that they could have asked Jesus in Luke 11, verse 1, they said this, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Because they had witnessed that the Lord Jesus Christ himself pulled himself away and that he went away and that he spent hours in continuous fellowship with God the Father through prayer. I love this statement. Jesus prayed more than he preached. This morning, I want to promise you that if you will pray, God will hear you. And I want to promise you that if you pray according to how Jesus has laid this out here, you will mature in your prayers. Your prayer life will grow stronger. You will become a more mature Christian. And you will find that you have a more powerful prayer life. You will find that the more that you pray, the more you desire you will have to pray. And you will find that you're not praying just to Give your petitions to God, but you're praying to grow closer in fellowship and relationship with Him. You're praying to know Him closer. You're praying to understand His Word better. And you're praying and your desire will turn and your prayers will start becoming more about other people and more about the salvation of souls and more about you having spiritual wisdom and compassion and care for others. I want to challenge you this morning on this Labor Day weekend to become persistent prayer warriors and to know that these doors are open Monday through Friday, 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock, you can come here in this altar and you can pray. You can go in our prayer room and pray. You can, you can pray here. You can pray home. It doesn't matter where you are. But I want you to pray. Here's what I want you to promise me that you'll pray. I want you to promise me that you will pray prayers that are so big that only God only God could, could do what you're asking. I don't want there to be any doubt in your mind that when those prayers are answered that you could have had anything to do with it. I want you to pray those type, types of prayers. Adrian Rogers said, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power. I want us to pray 
as much and as often as we can. Pray for vision, pray for wisdom, and pray for us to be a soul-winning congregation that sees lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you, if you're here this morning and you've listened to the words that I've said and there's some struggle or doubt in your mind about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you've heard these words this morning and maybe you've never come to a place in your life where you said, God, I need forgiveness of these sins. I need to repent of these sins, turn away and follow Jesus for the rest of my life. What a wonderful prayer that would be for you to pray this morning and to come into fellowship with Jesus Christ and to know that your eternity is secure. You have a brand new address, and that address will be with Jesus in heaven for eternity. What if you're here this morning and you, have, you know that you are a Christian, but you've delayed baptism? As I told our children last Sunday morning who were baptized, Baptism was so important to Jesus that he walked 70 miles for John the Baptist to baptize him. Everyone needs to be a part of a fellowship, a member of a church. Everyone who is a believing Christian needs to be a member of a church. Maybe you need to make that. Maybe you've been praying about that, and this morning God has shown you that that's his will, is for you to be a part of this congregation and this fellowship. Whatever it is that you need to pray about, these altars will be open. You can pray where you are, but during this time of reflection and worship and decision, please be wise. And as you are there, maybe in your seats, pray for others to have the courage to say, Jesus, I'm seeking your will for my life. Would you stand, Father? Thank you for these moments that we've had together. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for the freedom and the liberty to come together and worship. Father, if there are any here this morning who need to make a public declaration for you or whatever they need to do, I ask that they would listen and heed your words and seek your will. In Jesus' name. As Kelly leads us, would you 